0: Are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rogers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It. Your team Up. every day.
1: Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers, Fresby Nation, and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find LockedOnPackers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Peacock and Williamson, NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson, bring you the national perspective all around the NFL. Sure, you're a Packers fan, but you want to know what's going on around the league. Get your picks, previews, and much more every day with the Peacock and Williamson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today on the show, America's guest, Jason Hershorn joining us to talk about, we're going to nerd out a little bit. Usually that's what we do when Jason comes on, except for <laughs> every August when we do our uh, coach GM uh, little, little bit where we talk about the roster and who should make it and who shouldn't. We'll get to that in just a little bit. I want to start with something Aaron Rodgers adjacent. We don't have it we don't have news so to speak, but we have half news. Dan Graziano on ESPN said that quote, there have been conversations between the Aaron Rodgers camp and the Packers about a new contract. A couple things on this. So I I when I tweeted this out I had a number of replies from people who were like, I thought about the contract. So it's possible to say this is not about the money. You know, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're feeling like, you know, the the team is not respecting your opinion, you don't feel heard, you don't feel respected, you don't feel like your level of play is respected... We're assuming that these are among the beefs that Rodgers has with the front office, right? And, that you know, they draft Jordan Love. They want to push him out the door. This seems to be how Aaron Rodgers is feeling. We don't fully know because he hasn't said anything. And, you know, he's going to go on Kenny Mayne show next week. My guess is he's not going to say anything then either. This is, though... Not the first time now that we have heard that they're working on a contract. In fact, when you go back to the original Adam Schefter report, the first time Ian Rappaport comes on NFL Network after that, he says, look, they've been talking about a contract. They've been working on this contract situation. And so it's not that this stems from the contract, right? I don't think it's the case that Rodgers is annoyed because he wants a raise, It has been been reported, multiple, multiple sources, multiple places, multiple reporters, that what he wants is a commitment. Now, what that means specifically, we don't really know. A commitment. So, that could mean a new deal with more guaranteed money that ensures that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback through his 40th birthday. In fact, that has been reported, that that is what he would like that that would make him feel a lot better. Okay, so then it's possible that a contract is means to an end, but not the problem, as it were, right? That the, the contract is the salve, not the wound. And, th- and that makes sense to me. So I was thinking about it. What makes sense for a contract? And and the Packers reportedly have offered a top-of-market deal. So what does that look like? Is there a way to make this so that Rodgers can feel like he got what he wanted and the Packers do not totally sell their future? Because I think they'd like to retain some level of flexibility while still committing to Aaron Rodgers in the short-ish term. So what if you did the Dak Prescott deal? But instead of six years, 240 with void years, You did five years, 200 with void years. So it's still 40 million APY. It's top of market. It's highest paid quarterback in the league money. But it's really a three-year contract. It's a three-year contract and with void years. So you spread out the cap hit and whatever, whatever salary cap machinations you need to go through to make it work under the 2021 cap, the 2021 cap is, you know, in, in not great shape, but they have some flexibility. They still have some guys that they can cut if they need to. They can still, you know, you do you do an Aaron Rodgers extension, you could probably do the Devontae Adams extension the next day, right? So that could, that could lower your 2021 number and we think the cap is going to explode coming up here pretty soon, which makes this uh, easier to deal with. Now, the reason a three-year deal works for Green Bay, the reason Green Bay would do it is a three-year deal would still allow them to go to Jordan Love if they want to. Now, it would mean having to make a decision on Jordan Love's fifth-year option, probably before he is the preferred starter. But it's also the case that, you know, if Aaron Rodgers' play falls off, or if there are more issues at Green Bay, could deal Rodgers in the future. Nothing stopping them from doing that except, of course, the money. The reason that a trade is even remotely viable starting in June is because the money. If you do an extension, a new contract with those void years, it is going to be tough to move on from him because of what those years are going to do to your cap. So that becomes the problem. Now, why would Rogers do it? Well, the, the the most logical result of all of this is that he stays in Green Bay. I just don't know how you pass the mirror test doing anything else. I mean, imagine he gets traded to Denver and he does his first sit-down interview and they ask him, So, Aaron, what went wrong in Green Bay? Why did you why did you need to, to go somewhere else? What does he say? What does he say? A- and and what does he say that that helps his his Public image. You know, what is what is the PR version of what he says? Oh, well, we just didn't see eye-to-eye management. I mean, at some point, there if he gets traded or leaves, there has to be some sort of specifics out there other than Jake Kumaro. Because I know that there are some people who will cape for, oh, they, the Packers should have just kept Jake Kumaro." And, and, and look, I, I can understand the argument to a degree. But that just seems crazy to me. That that you, this is going to fall apart over something like that. So it, it continues to be my prediction that they will work this out because it just it's what makes the most sense for Rodgers. Now you can still sell Rogers on this idea of you get three years and then it's over. You know we know that that we're moving on. You can go do whatever you want. We won't franchise tag you. It's over. And you get to play until you're 40. We'll try and win a Super Bowl with you. And if we can't and you still want to keep playing, go with God and go play. But but you're not going to be here. And Rodgers is like, well, okay. You know, I get a couple years here. It's guaranteed that I'm going to get those years because of the way the void years work. It would just be overly punitive for the team to move on before then. And so, okay. That works. It's, it's essentially fully guaranteeing those three years beyond whatever incentives or whatever you could put in them. And, and, you, and you could do that if you wanted. that would work for both sides because Aaron can say, look, it wasn't about the contract. I wanted them to commit to me and they did. And so we're going to try and win for a couple of years and, and go from there and, and, and I'll, I'll see how I want to, you know, handle the end. And it becomes like a mixture of the Dak Prescott contract with the Tom Brady contract in New England. Because even though that that didn't include void years, it was a deal where when it was up, it was up. The Patriots could not franchise tag him. He had to go. And if you put the void years on the Rodgers deal for cap purposes... And again, there's, there are ways you would have to finesse the cap to make it work, especially for 2021. But 2022 is, is no picnic for the Packers cap situation either. Brady was able to leave going, I, I know I'm out. If I want to be out, I can be out. They can't hold me hostage. That is not the case right now for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers can hold Aaron Rodgers hostage because of the contract situation. They do not have to do anything. And if they do nothing and he doesn't show up – in fact, he has to pay them money. Does he want to do that? Probably not. Again, that's why this is going to get resolved. But if this is a five-year deal, that's really a three-year deal, and those void years are on it, then it's it's to complete. It's over in three years. And Rogers knows they can't hold him hostage anymore. It's over. They, they want to move on. He he would want to move on theoretically. And, and if, if they they want to continue it, the framework of the deal is already in place and they could do it that way if they wanted to. They probably don't, but they would have to agree on that. The Packers would say, look, you're not going to be on the roster. And he would know that. And so you're not being held hostage in that way. So, I think that that would make sense for everyone involved. It would make the Packers could sell it because they can still move to Jordan Love eventually, or or trade him in the interim. I mean, we don't know if that is part of the, the Aaron Rodgers' desire list. I hesitate to use the word, you know, list of demands because I don't I don't know that he's making that. We don't know. It's not. I, I don't want to speculate on it. And I, I think it would it would make sense for Aaron. Because he would he would get the guarantee. He would get the assurances that he's going to be the quarterback for the next couple of years. And he can play till he's 40 in Green Bay. Now, is that going to be good enough for Rodgers? I don't know. I don't know. It seems like Green Bay is willing to commit to him. So I don't I don't even feel like it's speculating to say the Packers would probably do a deal like that. Would Aaron, I can understand why he would. I think the case for why he would is is pretty straightforward and obvious, and and for that reason, I, I think it is something that ultimately that's how this plays out. All right, we're going to get to Jason in just a second, but before we do, let's talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs are hot. The playing games, well, one of them was great. The other ones were just an excuse for you to make money. If you didn't make money on them, why not? PJ Championship this weekend. I've got I've got some I've got some coinage on this. I'm trying to get, you know, Victor Hovland, Jordan Speith, Justin Thomas kind of kind of hurt me on Thursday, hurt my feelings with not a great performance. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as teams Go for the title as the golfers try and win majors, as the baseball players try and win win games and get into the postseason, all of that good stuff. Go to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: All right, let's get to our conversation with Jason Hershorn. You can follow him on Twitter at by underscore jbh, and we have a lot to dig into here, Jason. We are not going to try and get into all of the reasons for why we have to have this discussion, although I think those are interesting as well. But let's let's zero in here on what a Rogers List twenty twenty
3: one and beyond means for this Packers offense. First of all, how are you? I'm doing well, Peter. And yes, this is a very interesting discussion because regardless of when the Packers intend or actually do move on from Rodgers, there's going to be an adjustment period regardless of the kind of quarterback they move on to. So I think it's really important to discuss what that offense is right now or what it was the last time we saw it for a full season, 2020. And I I discussed with you pre-show, I brought in some charting data just so we can establish really what are the staples of that offense. And some of this will not be a surprise to to your audience. Some of this I think actually might be. So I looked at the biggest or the highest used passing concepts. I think the running concepts are are well-known, and obviously those are less susceptible to change when it comes to a, a quarterback swap. But for passing concepts, one of the big staples, and this is one of the ones I think will be surprising, was slant flats. The Packers ran 33 of these over the course of the season, 14 of them on first down. I think most Packers fans, if they're familiar with this, will be so because of how often it was used under Mike McCarthy. And Mm -hmm. to a certain degree, that might be why it's still a big part of the offense in Green Bay now, but also this is a thing that you see in Los Angeles with Sean McVay in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. This is just a staple of almost every passing offense. And that is also true in Green Bay moving up. We have Mesh, which, again, I think Packers fans saw a lot of or got to know a lot more this past season. 34 times this was run by the Packers in 2020. 21 of those times is on third and fourth down and in the red zone. There's a little bit of this that's sort of skewed because they ran 12 of these against the Lions. That's 35.3% of all of their Mesh plays the entire season. <laughs> that speaks a lot to the amount of man coverage that the Lions were using. A very the, the Matt Patrician-ness of that defense, You, I would I would expect that number to go down somewhat in 2021. And how many teams defended the Packers in man
1: coverage last year? That might actually change too when and if Jordan Love is the quarterback because teams are just going to go, man, we dare you to beat us.
3: Yeah, that's a very good point. But either way, I think there's a part of this that like is very specific to a version of the Lions that no longer exists. Uh Moving up, and I'll be a little quick with some of these, uh, a lot of slot fade plays. You saw a lot of these with Devonta Adams in particular, 36 in total Mm -hmm. last season, a lot on second and longs, and then third, fourth, and in the red zone. Uh, There's a lot of dagger plays, and people don't know what this is. This is a concept where you have sort of two more vertical routes from like the slot, both the interior slot and sort of like a more exterior slot, and then from the boundary, sort of a deep dig. This is a very common concept, this is actually a concept they ran a lot in Green Bay, even before Lafleur got there, uh, they use this a lot on first down. It's a big gainer for them. It's the reason why they use it a lot. Then you have four verts. I'm sure many people who listen to this podcast are familiar with this because of Madden, if for no other reason. Uh, They ran this 23 times (laughs) in the sense of it being like a traditional four verts. You just have, you know, your four wide receivers, you know, tend to be three to one side, one to the other. Uh, There's also a version of this. The Packers ran a lot under LaFleur both of these past two seasons that's sort of new to Green Bay or relatively new to Green Bay. We have one of those verticals coming from the running back out of the backfield. They ran 22 of those. So again, 45 in total. Then we get to what really is like the biggest Matt LaFleur thing when it comes to the passing game, one that I know you and I have discussed a lot on this podcast and offline, and that's Yankee. And this comes in... Um, multiple forms. There's sort of a deep version of this. This is more the traditional form of Yankee. And for those who don't know, this is sort of a two-route concept where you have a, like a go or a deep post, sometimes a deep corner that sort of like moves the the back of the secondary further back. You have play action at the front to move the defensive line, the linebackers up, and then sort of an like a deep over route or a dig route That's really made to capitalize on that new space in the middle of the field that's wide open. Big LaFleur, big Shanahan concept. They ran the deep version of this 23 times in 2020. You also have what's sort of a newer concept when it comes to these Shanahan-type offenses. And you saw a lot, a lot of these in Green Bay. This was its own category. This would still be by itself number one. It's this play that you've seen a lot, where it's play action, split zone action. The tight end goes from one side of the formation to the other, crossing in front of the running back, and then running into that flat for that like wide open little checkdown type pass, and he just runs up the field, oftentimes for a first down. They ran fifty three of these this past season. Wow. This is a big, big part of the Matt LaFleur offense. And there's one other category here that I don't have full charting data for that I know you have discussed with your listeners a lot. Those are RPOs that came a lot on first downs and a lot of second and longs. So still a very big part of this offense. Obviously, that's not just a part of the passing game, part of the running game too. But these are the staples of the Matt LaFleur offense as we saw it run with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and and the RPO numbers, you know,
1: I I, I used in the piece that I wrote, Me Packing Company. I used Ben Fennel's numbers. Um, I assume that that those are are coming from uh, NFL Next Gen or or one of those uh, system server situations that he has access to because he works for the league, which is nice. Um, and and they were top three in RPO usage, uh, which they didn't do almost at all under Mike McCarthy and and I do wonder in in a situation like that how much more can you do it when you do it the most or one of the most in the league how much more can that be a part of your offense and I think that's the conversation that we're that we're really trying to have here is okay where do they lean into with these concepts because you're probably you probably don't need to number one introduce new concepts but number two uh, there are there are going to be things that, that Jordan Love is just better equipped to deal with early on and, and that can all grow. So if you were looking at this list, where are you saying, okay, these are the places that they leaned in heavily before. They may have to lean even more heavily on them with Jordan Love under center.
3: We well, already brought up RPO, and while I don't know how much more realistically they could do, you would imagine that that's going to be a big part of their offense if and when they move to Jordan Love, because it's not just something that they run a lot already. It's something that he has experience with dating back to his time at Utah State, so it should be more of a natural transition for him. Now, I think Yankee, again, is going to be a big part of their offense, but specifically with Love, I imagine they would lean more into that sort of split, or sorry, that, uh, that split zone flat. That route with the tight end or usually with the tight end version of it, because those are very easy passes for almost any quarterback. They work really well in this offense given how they marry the run of the pass. I mean, it really looks in most cases like a run play and you see that defense just sucked up the middle. And that's why the that is able to sort of not really leak in the traditional sense, but just move in the flat. Unaccosted, free to run for five to 10 yards without any real problem. That I think is going to be another big, big component if and when they move to Jordan Love because it's a play that works really well in the rhythm of that offense. It's a play that Jordan Love should be able to complete and it sets up other things for that offense down the field later in the game. So it really checks all those boxes. I know they already use it a lot, but that's a, that's a number. I think they probably could tick up more than a little bit. I also want to talk about the areas in which I think they might move away from, at least until Jordan Love is able to prove that he can do some of the things that we saw with Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not just the deep yank; I think they'll still run a fair amount of that, but probably a little less because that has a lot of timing. That has a lot you have to, you know, th- that receiver tends to be open, but you still have to sell that play action really well. We don't know if he's going to be able to do it to the degree that Rodgers did in 2020, I also wonder if we're going to see fewer of those running back seam vert plays because the windows on those throws are very, very small. Now, it's worth the upside. It's not just that when Rodgers hits those, it goes for, you know, big gains. When this is run across the league in those Shannon offenses, it tends to go for really big gains, but requires really good timing. You're not really able to look at that running back until very late in the progression. And it's not that Jordan Love can't do that. It's we have not seen him do it at the NFL level. Therefore, I think it's it's a big assumption that he's going to be able to do it right away or early on in his career. And that's something I think they might sort of, you know, tailor back until he's able to do that on a regular basis in practice yeah and and i think we can't
1: underestimate uh the the pre-snap work that aaron Rodgers does because a lot of this offense is reading fronts and defenses and deciding of two plays or even three plays sometimes which is the best to get into aaron Rodgers, this is something matt lafleur talked about when when he was asked about all of the second and long running that they were doing he's going look these are RPO, basically pre-snap RPOs where the quarterback has the choice based on the front to run it or pass it. We don't know if Jordan Love is going to be equipped to be in um, those situations where he can say, okay, this is the best play for our offense. Now, th- that is the case and was the case for, for Jared Goff. But guess what? Sean McVay was in his ear that first season. So how fast can he assimilate to making those calls play to play I don't know. Does that has does that have to simplify the things that you're running? Does that mean Matt Lafleur has to be more efficient and more effective as a play caller because he can't rely on Jordan Love to do those things? These seems like these seem like answers we just don't have yet.
3: Yeah, and there's another thing I want to add on to those RPOs. Now, most RPOs are a simple box count. You just figure out where the defense is physically located, and that determines whether you're going to hand it off or throw it. However, some of the more advanced versions of the RPOs, and frankly we see this a lot in college, especially at Alabama this past season, the past two seasons really, is where they're not just judging the number of defenders in the box, they're also judging leverage of the cornerbacks because if the cornerback has the wrong leverage in terms of defending the route – They'll still pass it even if the box count favors a running play. And the Packers have done some of this too, where again, it's not strictly a box count. It's, okay, is the route going to get open based on the leverage a defender has? That's more advanced stuff. Now, it doesn't mean that Jordan Love can't do that, But will the Packers, knowing that he's extremely green in that regard, say, "Okay, we're just going to go more strictly box count RPOs to keep it very simpler for our first time starting quarterback? That's a question you and I don't have the answer to, but it's going to be a very meaningful decision when it comes to what this offense looks like if and when love takes over. Yeah, and there are, you know, college versions of the RPO, the RPO that the Eagles won a Super
1: Bowl with. A lot of that stuff is often, uh, you know, post-snap reads of a conflict defender, a linebacker, or a safety that's in that that little slide. Slant, you know, the slant hole. That doesn't sound great, but that that's where you're usually trying to get that in to see, okay, is he reading the the run action? And if he is, you have the slant in behind. If he's not, you give the ball. I I want to ask about this because this is more philosophical and I think above and beyond even the the Matt LaFleur philosophy. And that is, how do you handle Jordan Love big picture? Because there is this idea, and you and I have had, you know, a bunch of discussions about this, not in relation to Jordan Love, that coaches will say, OK, we're going to make it easy. A lot of quick throws, short throws. But the idea that you're going to take someone like Jordan Love, you know, in, in year two, which is really year one and a half, and say you're going to, you know, 10, 12, 15 play drives and matriculate down the field. To me, that does not seem like the best way to use a young quarterback to create some more um, variance here. Could we see them, I mean, you mentioned Yankee, Dagger, some of these play-action shot plays. Could we see them actually go more in that direction because they need to create the variance? Because on third and eight, they don't They don't necessarily believe in Jordan Love the same way they would believe in Aaron Rodgers. So on first and second down, maybe they need to be more aggressive
3: trying to create chunk plays down the field. Especially with a quarterback with Jordan Love's skill set, as we currently know it. Obviously, that could have changed over the course of the last year, but... We have yet to see him take a rep against another team. So until that changes, we still have to use what we saw from him in college. I think it makes sense to try to attack down the field. And I I don't know necessarily that the total number of those plays is going to change too dramatically. It might be when those plays are called to your point. That, yeah, we're trying to get him sort of pushed in a particular direction because he is so green. It could be problematic if he gets off to a bad start. But conversely, if he's able to hit one of those big plays early, it might build up his confidence. So I could see them, especially like in the preseason, again, assuming that we have something approximating a normal preseason, doing a lot more dink and dunk stuff just to get him familiar with the rhythm of the offense. But once the real games arrive, I think you will see some of those sort of deeper play action based concepts because one, those windows tend to be a little more open by deep play standards than they are if it's just a traditional drop back. Two, if you miss on those, you tend to miss in terms of incompletions or to the boundary. It's not as much throwing in an area where you have a lot of zone defenders who might be able to pick the ball off. That's sort of a lower risk, higher reward version of it that we might see for Love if, again, he is the quarterback moving forward. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot a little bit. Knowing what we
1: what we know about this offense and what we think we know about Jordan Love, such that we think we know anything, and, and I think we should be um, very dubious of even our own um, evaluations of Love at this point um, because we have not seen much of anything from him in the NFL. What would your expectations be? What are reasonable expectations for Jordan Love in, in, let's say,
3: 2021, where he has to be the full starter for 17 games. To a certain degree, I don't know that we can have reasonable expectations because we have effectively nothing to work off of. Right. We have no preseason. We have no regular season. We don't have a single game activation for him. So... No matter how much you want to sort of like narrow the scope on this, you are shooting into the dark. Even if you're basing this entirely off of what you've evaluated of him in college, it's still a you know a shot in the dark. We have not seen him take a meaningful snap in well over a year. So for that reason, I kind of just have to look at what would a replacement level quarterback in this type of offense look like. And we've seen that in other places. We've seen that certainly in San Francisco. We've seen that in Los Angeles, and. While there are certainly plays down the field, I think you only see, especially when you're talking about the non peak version of Rams Jared Goff and the non 2019 version of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you saw a lot of those dick and dunk plays, and not necessarily in a bad way. Like you saw a lot of those, as we were discussing earlier, those sort of like keeper slide plays where the tight end gets into the flat and is just open for seven plus yards. You see a lot of those. You might even see to that uh, extent, you might see more tight end league plays. I know this is something that you and I have talked about a lot because it is a core tenant of the Shannon offenses. And we haven't really seen it a ton in Green Bay. And maybe now with a different quarterback, if that's indeed the way it goes, they might want to move more in that direction because, you know, that tight end, when the play works, is wide open and down the field. And you'd assume that almost any NFL quarterback who's willing to look in that direction is going to be able to complete that pass. Jordan Love could very well be that. So I think you might see those sort of sort of reallocation of the play calling, even if it's still the same core concepts overall, just you know moved around. But look, we, again, we really don't know what Jordan Love is or isn't. We have an idea of what he's physically capable of, but we have not seen him in really an NFL offense at any point in his career. And to a certain degree, we're, we're all just speculating.
1: Well, uh, that could be the name of this podcast, Jason. I appreciate you uh,
3: summarizing it so concisely. Uh, let my listeners know where they can find the work that you do. Well, you can find me on Twitter at BY underscore JBH. You can find my work at espnation.com, NFL.com, and hopefully in the not too distant future, again on this podcast. Indeed. Thanks, Jason.
0: All right. Take care, Peter. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
1: This episode is brought to you by Wise. Progress is great, isn't it? people listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs, and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with Wise, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies, so when you send, spend, or convert money with Wise, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try Wise for free at wise.com slash podcast. All right. I want to thank Jason again for joining the show. Always awesome to talk to him. We will have him back on very soon, I'm sure. And and who knows, could be some, some more stuff down the line with him and I, uh, you know, trying to create a little content for you guys. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, that's something that we can put together. I'm not going to give any more clues or hints on on what that might be or what it might look like. But you know, maybe, maybe uh, we'll be back next week. Mini camps, mini camps, OTAs. That stuff is is about to happen. It's about to go down. And so we'll get our first glimpse at these guys. Uh, We'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers next week. And uh, we will have no shortage of things to talk about. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.